1: This year, the North Pole is coming to the Laurel Highlands. Follow the Elves to Nemecolon to experience Hardy's Holiday Village, an over-the-top spectacle where the magic of the holiday season meets the magic of Nemecolon Resort. From November 24th to December 23rd, explore a life-size village of whimsy and wonder, where Elves invite you to play and cozy shops invite you to indulge in festive treats and glamorous gifts. To book your holiday season stay, visit Nemecolon.com. All experiences are exclusive to overnight guests and members.
0: God, You're about to receive a people life-giving people message from Bishop life. Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Yeah. Love God, love people, love life sides were taken over huh. lift your phone and let's say it together because I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest I come to God as I am but through today's life giving message I won't stay as I am this is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, remain standing. I want you to go to Revelation, Revelation chapter five, Revelation chapter five, and verse number nine. We got to move very quickly tonight because I've got twenty minutes. So we got to get this in. Touch your neighbor. Say we got to get it in. All right. I said, Bishop, why are you preaching faster? It's because uh, it's kind of like a good meal. I'm gonna make you want some more. It's quiet in here. Revelation 5 verse number 9 and we've been looking at this and they sang a new song say they thought differently saying you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people look at me church here's what he's saying he's saying they sang a new song in other words they have to think different say I have to think differently stop trying to think like folk that ain't got nothing Stop trying to think like cursed folk. Stop trying to think like folk that are uh, trying to, you you ever met somebody where the only thing they're doing is repeating the same stuff they've been doing? Year after year, they're doing the same thing, same issue, same drama. Tell your neighbor, say, that's not what we're supposed to do. You've got to live differently, but to live differently, you first have to think differently. So they sang a new song. Say a new song. You're gone of the days of you singing. I'm just a victim. Woe is me. My mama did this. My daddy did this. My cousin did this. Those days are over in your life. Somebody say, I got a new song. I a new song. Now I says, verse 10. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign. When? No no, 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 no. That's not when. That's where. Where? Where shall we reign? Now, when does it imply we should reign? Yeah. Now, 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 now. Say, I'm not trying to die, trying to die. anymore. But say this part, and I will no longer be scared to live. Say, I think differently now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, speak to us now that we would move and walk in what you have ordained. Father, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Taylor, make this word for us, your people, over these next few moments that we would move and walk in what you've ordained. And this year, it's that we would have a banner year. That's a year marked by significant accomplishment and achievement in the name of Jesus. We decree and declare that we are kings, which means that we can be both successful and spiritual. We can both pray and slay. And we thank you for it now. I declare that the king inside of everybody, to the sound of my voice that king is being lifted up that king is being awakened in the name of jesus i declare in this atmosphere there is no hindrance i decree and declare that there's nothing blocking the flow of your word and i decree and declare that tonight somebody's gonna sing a new song i declare a new song springing forth out of your people a new song is springing forth out of harvest a new song is springing forth out of denver a new song is springing forth out of dallas and we thank you that it is so in jesus name somebody shout hallelujah now, this is a long title, so just you're going to say it with me. Normally, I'd have you tell your day, but this is the longest title message title I've ever done. Somebody say it's a long title. Long. So for my note takers, just get the CD or get auto message. Here it is, the importance of the relationship between a king and a man of God. Say it with me. The importance of the relationship between a king and the man of God. Now, who's the kings? You. Who's the man of God? I am. So that relationship is important. Have five your neighbor say, you got that? Yes. All right, be seated. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. In this series, you know, we've been talking money, power, and respect God's way because we all desire those things. But you'll notice, as I said to you on Sunday, I've not specifically taught on money, power, nor respect because when you know who you are, it changes what you do. And the greatest thing I could do for you as your pastor is teach you who you are because oftentimes most people are taught to deal with fruit but they're never taught to deal with root. If you correct root, fruit will automatically deal with itself. I have never had to walk up to an apple tree because it was producing oranges. The tree knew what it was, so it knew what it produced. Oftentimes in your life, you're trying to fix the external things, but not first dealing with the internal things. You are trying to correct the fruit of your life without dealing with the root of your life. Well, the root of your life deals with your identity. So when you know that you are a king, you know that you get money, power, and respect. It comes with the package of being a king. And I'm, you're not getting it for your own selfish aggrandizement. You are getting it for God's glory. Somebody say, I'm a king. So I get money, power, and respect. Say those things chase me. See, watch this, when you're not a king, you spend your life chasing money. That's why you never have enough. When you're not a king, you spend your life chasing power. That's why you never get any. it. When you're not a king, you spend your life chasing respect. That's why nobody respects you. But when you're a king, they can't help but do it. When you're a king, even the people that wanna do you bad have to reverse it and treat you good. There's a man in the Bible that the scripture says because this man operated like a king that they could not resist him. Can I speak and prophesy into your life on this Wednesday night that you're entering a place of identity where people will not be able to resist you. They will not be able to give you an answer contrary to what God has ordained. Somebody holla! I'm, I'm a king. So let's do a quick recap uh, on the prior messages. You need to get those through auto messages or on CD. On Sunday, we started identifying uh, how kings think, and that's dealing with this whole new song. And we started to deconstruct your thought process because kings think to work what works. Say a king thinks to work what works. I said this to you on Sunday, and I need to say it again because it is so uh, profound. When a king sees something works, he keeps doing it, and he doesn't stop doing what works to try something else. Touch your neighbor and say, that's been your problem. <laughs> is, watch this. Is that you're not consistent long enough to see results big enough. But I declare your days of inconsistency to the things of God are over. Your days of in church, out of church are over. Your days of in serving, out of serving are over. Because you're a king, it's time for you to produce some results. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. I said this. It makes no sense for you to be a harvester and apply the messages to your life, watch them work, and then try something different or divert from what works. And this is why you will sometimes feel like serving God doesn't work. You'll sometimes feel like being a Christian doesn't work. You'll sometimes feel like following the Bible does not work. It's not that it's not working. It's that your thought process about it is, is not working. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, 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 we dealt with this on Sunday. Uh, the scripture says that as a man thinks in his heart, which in the scripture, and the Old Le- uh, Testament language of Hebrew, it would be the word lev, which means what? Mind. In the New Testament, it would be the word cardia which means mind. Check this out. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. As is an adverb, which means your thought process is really producing your reality. All right? Say, my mentality produces my reality. Now, I need you to catch this because kings think differently. Say, I think differently. I look at Proverbs 4.23. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Which means everywhere you look, there you are, but it started in your thought process. Sometimes your issues aren't your thoughts, it's the process you take to get to your thought. Because a thought is nothing more than a conclusion. Have you ever looked at somebody that came up with a thought and you're like, how in the heck did you get there? You have been having a conversation with somebody and they explained to you this, uh, their conclusion of the matter and you were like, what were you looking at? Because we couldn't have both been looking at the same thing and came up with two dramatically different conclusions. But the reality is a flawed thought process produces flawed thoughts which produce flawed actions which produces a flawed life. You've been blaming your mama. It ain't your mama. It's your thought process about your mama. You've been blaming your boss. It ain't your boss. It's your thought process about your boss. You've been blaming what your daddy did and what he didn't do. That's not the issue. The issue is your thought process about what your daddy did and what he didn't do. You've been blaming the people you get in your relationship with and not realize you picked them. The issue is your thought process about who you picked. Stop complaining about what you got excited about. Touch your neighbor and say, I got to think differently. got to think differently. Now, 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 this is important, so, so I've been teaching you things to help uh, deconstruct a bad thought process and introduce you to the real you, the you that has been concealed the entire time. That's why the book of Revelation, it's the Greek word apocalypto, where we get our word apocalypse, which means to uncover. See, the whole time you were blaming the devil when really we need to uncover that it was your thought process. The whole time you've been blaming your kids when the whole time we needed to discover it was your thought process. The whole time you've been blaming your spouse when we really needed to discover it was your thought process. We had to reveal it. Say it needed to be revealed. So I've been teaching you things like the fact that you are a king, and ladies, that means a queen, and every king has dominion. And Revelation 5.10 makes it clear that we are to rule, to reign, to conquer, and to subdue in life, not just in death. Most Christians have been so uh, uh, taught so greatly about the afterlife that they don't know what to do in this life. And so most Christians have just got their bags packed, ready to die. You're messing about like that. He's last and evil days. You Listen, you better unpack your bags. These are not no last and evil days. Peter them was saying that 2,000 years ago. God is coming back for a church that's a full-grown woman, not no little girl, which means we got some time because there's people in this world, people in your city, people in your community ain't even heard about Jesus. And you talking about come on back. How selfish of the church to tell God to come back. Yet you got co-workers don't even know God. You got family members don't even know God. You got relatives don't even know God. So you got to unpack your bags and not get so enchanted with the afterlife that you don't do anything in this life. See, that's why we're promised the kingdom of heaven, which is the lifestyle, not heaven as a place to live. I don't have time to get into that in great depth. Touch your neighbor say, you're supposed to rule here. Now, when you take on this mentality, non-kings will say you're crazy because they're so used to the struggle bus that they, 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 watch this, watch this, you ain't even seen great progress, you just talking it. See, where the Joseph's at, where they hate you, you ain't done it yet, you just talking about doing it. I wish I had a witness in here. They talk about you just for what you think you can do, just for the abilities you say you have. You ain't even done it yet. You're still catching the bus, but talking about the car dealership. You're going to be owning one day. They hating on you for that. And I'm not at all saying be materialistic. What I'm saying, though, is we are supposed to rule, to reign, to conquer, and to subdue here in the earth. Say that's what I was born to do. Now we learn every king rules from a throne. Ephesians 2, six, Revelation 3.21. I'm recapping. It teaches us we've been raised up to sit with Jesus on his throne. So since we're sitting with him, watch this. We have to stop spending so much time on things that are beneath us. How much of your day do you spend on things that are beneath you? On nouns that are beneath you. People, places, things, and ideas. Think about how much time you waste, uh, watch this, missing somebody that ain't missing you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Think about how much time you're reliving something from somebody that ain't even living anymore. Y'all not talking to me. How much time do you waste because you are not maximizing your moments because you're spending time on things that are beneath you? You ought to just say to yourself, there are some things that are beneath you. Don't even touch your neighbor. Touch yourself and say there are some things that are beneath you. Say your name. Say your name. Say there are some things that are beneath you. Yeah, discouragement, that's beneath you. Frustration, that's beneath you. Doubt, that's beneath you. A telephobia, thinking you're not good enough, that is beneath you. No, he made you in his image and in his likeness, and you're supposed to be a king and a priest. You're supposed to pray and slay here. Because now, 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 here's the problem. If you're on a throne and you keep coming off your throne to play with things beneath you, the important things get ignored. You're down here just trying to pay your cricket bill and God says, baby, there's so much more going on up here. You're too low. Touch your neighbor and say, I can't be that low anymore. You're sitting here worried about what so-and-so said that they think you stuck up. Well, you know what? They probably would think that. You know why they think that? Because they so low. So since they so low, anything above them seems stuck up. But you know what? If they gonna talk, let's give them something to talk about. Y'all not saying nothing to me. Stop letting the opinion of sheep mess with you and you're a lion. ain't nobody talking about you, you must not be that gifted you must not be that effective let me tell you how you know you're doing a good job they tell you you're doing too much God dog, I got, I'm out of time we also learn three things every king needs which is our high pain tolerance and kings need to pray like kings and kings need to pray like sons which took us to the third thing every king needed which every king needs a man of God so every king needs a man of God Because the position from which you pray makes a big difference. Again, I'm doing recap to get us to where we are today. Because you see God through the lenses of your experience with your earthly father. So if you had a disloyal earthly father, you'll think God's that way. You had an absent earthly father, you'll think God's this way. If you had a silent earthly father, you will think God is silent. (laughs) If you had a father that beat you down, you will think that God beats you down. If you had a father that never affirmed you, you will think God never affirms you because your experience with God is often based on your experience with your earthly father. And this is the issue because the statistics tell us that most people's relationships with their fathers are frustrating, fickle, or faded because depending on where you cite the statistics, up to 72% of homes are fatherless. So how do you trust your heavenly father if you had a hellacious relationship with your earthly father? But God knew this might happen, so while God is your heavenly father, when you came into the earth through a natural father, God empowers you and matures you and unlocks you through a spiritual father or a man of God. And in case you don't know by now, I am he for you. So that means you are not an orphan because you're not fatherless. And I showed you the importance of this relationship from two kings. I want to do it from three kings in the Bible. So I'm going to go back to these scriptures very quickly. And I got to wrap this up real quick because I'm at the end of my time. But I need you to at least get one one of the principles for today. All right. Now, 2 Kings 621. Now, when the king of Israel say he's a king saw them now he's dealing with some enemies here he says he saw some enemies and he's getting ready to make a decision about whether or not he should fight the reason it's important to value the voice of your man of god in your life is because there's some fights that you should abstain from so, Watch well, this. Sometimes, especially if you grew up having to fight for yourself, you grew up being an uh, older brother, older sister, had to fight for them or whatever, and you had to do all of that. You want to fight everybody and everything. So somebody somebody look at you kind of crazy at the, at the checkout counter. Excuse me, is there a problem? You want to fight everybody about y'all, Don't look at me like y'all know what I'm talking about. You want to fight for everything, but you should value the voice of your man of God because there are some fights you should abstain from because there's a fight that's beneath you. Watch this. You only engage in a fight with an enemy, but an enemy is an equal. So there are certain things that you are getting beneath. Watch it again. You're coming off the throne to deal with things that are beneath you. It's some stuff you just need to say kings don't even get in that kind of foolishness. That's a fool's business, not a king's business. Well, watch the principle. So now when the king, 2 Kings 621, now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Leave the verse up. Now watch this. Look at the relationship. He's the king of Israel, but he he realizes he needs the voice of a man of God. Elisha is the spiritual son of Elijah, so we're going to call him S and J for the rest of this message. And he says to him, my father, notice the relationship. He doesn't say man of God. He doesn't say bishop. He doesn't say pastor, he doesn't say doctor He says my father, why? Because he understood that the man of God gave him life This is the reason why we call our messages Life giving messages I'm not just preaching a sermon to you A sermon is what you heard at home when you did something bad No, what you're receiving is life And I think there's some witnesses in here that can attest to the fact That when you started receiving these messages You started coming alive again Now, he says, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He's asking him a question about should he get involved in a fight. Verse 22, but he answered, you shall not kill them. He sought his man of God's counsel before making decisions because kings recognize the value of their man of God's voice in every venture. Now, some people will say, oh, that's just wild. That's just crazy. And that's the reason why their lives are wild and crazy because they don't understand the value of that. Whenever you are a king, you need the bishop. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, that's one king. Let's look at the second king we looked at on Sunday. Second Kings 13:14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. And then Joash, the king of Israel, came down him. This is another king. And wept over his face and said, you read it. So again, what is he identifying? He's identifying that he's now given the man of God the ability to speak into his life in a place where uh, you would, might think that might be a little abnormal. And depending on the background you come from, you might say, well, oh, what is it about that? What is, why is he doing that? It's because he was saying, this man of God is giving me life because I've got too many big decisions to make. I've got too many great things to accomplish and I don't need to be wasting any more time. See, the reason God assigned you to me and me to you is because God says he's sick of you wasting time. He's sick of you wasting time in bad relationships, sick of you wasting time in bad business deals, sick of you wasting time in crazy stuff. So God says, let me give you a man of God so you don't have to waste time anymore. I came to announce to somebody, your days of time wasting have ended as of right now. God, I wish you'd with it. I wish you'd catch the flow. Your days of time wasting are over. They have ended. They have expired. That's why there's been so much pressure in your shoulders and in your neck because what's happening to you now is there will no longer be any wasted time. Throw your hands up. Say, no more wasted time. Put the verse up. I got to wrap this up. Put the verse up. Here it is. He says, oh, my father, oh, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. He was saying, God's getting ready to come. It's time for you to go, man of God. Verse 15. Uh, Actually, tip down to verse 18 for the sake of time. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Notice he keeps saying, and he said to the king. The Bible wanted to make you clear that you understood this wasn't a regular guy. Because some people will say, watch this, I don't need church because I got money or I don't need church because I've done this or I don't need no man of God he put his pants on the same way I do I don't need to be going to church I don't need all of that and that's why if you check their fruit their lives are toe up from the floor because they do not understand how God works he's been working this way the whole time and if the king of Israel needed a man of God I'm going to tell you you as a king and a queen you need one too but touch your neighbor say thank God I got me one And don't you let the folk out there talk about what God is doing in your life through what's going on in here. They wouldn't understand it anyhow. Verse 18, then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. When he said strike the ground, he didn't give him the number of times he should strike the ground. He just said strike the ground, which meant what did he want him to do? Keep doing it until he said stop. He said, keep working what works. And he's got to catch this principle. And he's got to catch this principle. That's one of the reasons I'm preaching faster now. I said, because I'm giving you so much information and so much revelation. I'm just going to boil this stuff down and just, you know, get one point, two points. Now, now as a revelator, that's kind of tough for me. That's why I got to have all these other outlets to be able to get revelation out. Because the reality is, is that I need you to get results. And so sometimes we got to go back around the mountain to get back to the basic principles. He said, strike the ground. He said to the what? King, strike the ground, which means keep doing it till I say stop. Amen. So he struck three times and stopped. And look at verse number 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria because you had destroyed it. But now you're only going to strike Syria three times. So he stopped doing what worked. Let me tell you what's going to work. Whenever you're discouraged, you got to put in one of those life-giving messages. Don't stop doing that and put on Drake. That's why your life's got a lot of flakes. Don't worry, I'm coming to your music in just a moment. Don't, don't, that's right, Bishop. Tell him I'm coming to your music in just a moment. Listen to Maria and stuff, talking about his love and woe. And all. No, here's my point. I'm not beating you up for that. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Stop, stop, stopping what works. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? It, it amazes me how many people say, Bishop, I'm just going through some stuff. I ain't going to be in church for a while. Are you smoking dope or drinking Drano or doing both at the same time? Why would you stop doing what works? The only reason you ain't lost your mind is because you've been doing what works. Because the enemy knows if he can pull you away from the herd and get you out of the sight of the shepherd, he's gonna isolate you and pull you over here, and then he's gonna eat you and tear you up. But you ought to thank God that somebody on your road ain't gonna let you fail. Somebody on your road ain't gonna let you drop. Touch your neighbor, say, I'm not letting you fail. No, say I'm gonna keep pushing you forward. And to somebody sitting at home watching me right now talking about what I should be there, get your tail up and get in this building. Why? Because the enemy's trying to isolate you so that he can tear you up. I got to finish. Exodus 12, 32. Exodus 12, 32. I'm out of time. Doggone it. Exodus 12, 32. Exodus 12, 32. Come on, put it up. Exodus 12, 32. Here it is. Now, uh, uh, now watch this. This is, Pharaoh. This is Moses. Uh, uh, Pharaoh talking to Moses. Now, what's Pharaoh? A king. What's Moses? Man of God. Now, read this verse. And you take your flocks and your herds, if you have said, and be gone. This is when the exodus begins. Watch what he says at the end. Read it, church. The king of Egypt, who did not believe in the God of Moses, said, even I got enough sense to know that if I'm a king, I need a man of God to bless me. I'm not saying nothing. That's why, touch your neighbor, say, that's why it's important I'm here. Before the foundation of the earth, God joined you and I together. That's why when you heard my voice, deep started calling unto deep, and there was a joy, because together there's a movement that's getting ready to be perpetuated in the earth. You're getting ready to be unlocked so your gifts and your talents and your skills can be used to change somebody else's life. If Pharaoh knew that, why church folk talking about, I just, I, I don't need that. You know, folks who come to church, real favorite bishop. who bishop just who bishop, bishop. And then they don't get something they want. Then all of a sudden, they ghost. They like Casper. Where all that spiritual talk you did? They didn't understand. They needed to be blessed out. So since they didn't get blessed out, they got cursed out. Not by me, but by their actions. It got quiet right through there. If Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, Moses, get out of here, but you better bless me first. See, our culture doesn't understand honor of leadership. Because watch this, watch this. Your boss says something you don't like, you walk up to the other employees. Well, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I don't know why I got to do that. I don't know how this is supposed to happen. I don't know that. Because, because, because you understand, if Pharaoh, a pagan, got it, you got to get it too. That's three kings. Can I give you a fourth king? Uh, In 1 Samuel chapter 9, I don't have time to read it all. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, basically you have this man, Saul, who's getting ready to become the first king of the nation of Israel. Y'all still with me, church? I'm out of time, so y'all got to go with me. We got to, like, this is like, you know, super fast, okay? Like, this is when, you know, you're you're on the plane or you're on the train and that person stands at the entrance. You are delaying the departure of this train. And you're thinking, if you don't get yourself in this train... I got 2.3 minutes to get to this gate, and if you make me late, I promise you, you start making, I swear for Lord, in the name of you, I pray. And that's when the person with like 17 bags is standing right in front of you, and you got your Carver shirt on, so you want to be a good Christian, and you want to really love God, love people, love life, but you like, you finna make me late, okay? I'ma just need you to. So we finna fast walk through this, okay? I set you up for it. Touch your neighbor, say we about to fast walk. Now, here it is. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, uh, there's a man named Saul. Say, Saul. Saul is getting ready to be anointed to be king. He's the son of a man named Kish. Say, Kish. Now, Kish uh, loses his donkeys. His donkeys are lost, and he sends his son Saul to go look for them and ate one of Saul's servants. He sent his son away to find what he lost. Now, the name Saul in the Hebrew language uh, means something that was borrowed or something that was asked for. He's from a small tribe. He's not from, of any great notoriety. Now, watch this. He is the son of Kish. Say the son of Kish. Now, as the son of Kish, we discover uh, that Kish now uh, is this man who's he's got these donkeys, which means he's a man of some uh, some level of wealth, because in that culture, a donkey was equivalent to, uh, you know, like a luxury automobile. So he was a man that had some wealth. He was a man that had some power. He was a man that had some notoriety and he sends Saul out to find what he lost. Now, as they're going to find what he lost, Saul cannot find the donkeys. He can't find the donkeys. Now, 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 if I had time to teach you this, I don't have time, I have to do it uh, to get into it some other time. Uh, if you discover where Saul is from, Saul is from this tribe uh, of the Benjaminite, uh, Benjamites. Say Benjamites. That means ravenous wolves, which means he's from a group of folk that act like dogs. Which means he's shaped in an environment of people who scratch and bite and fight because they're all just trying to get adopted. They're all chasing money, come on series, power and respect. That's where Saul is from. That's that's where he's from. He's from not just wolves, but ravenous wolves, which means they will turn on you in a moment if they think disloyalty to you will give them an opportunity. That's where he's from. Are you still here, church? Now, now, in this place, in this place, that's where, he's a Benjamite. So he's in, raised in this environment of people uh, where that's how they think. That's how they operate. They, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And so at the end of the day, uh, Saul now has this mindset. He has this mentality. And so he goes out to look for the donkeys that his father lost, and they can't find them. So when they can't find the, uh, the donkeys, I want to pick it up in 1 Samuel, chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Can I just read a couple of verses to you? 1 Samuel chapter 9, and I want you to get uh, to verse number, uh, verse number 9. Verse number nine. Actually, get up to verse number 7. First Samuel 9, verse number 7. Again, I'm moving very quickly. We're speed walking through the airport yes, sir. around all the people with a lot of luggage. Okay? Then Saul said to his uh, servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? So what happens is, uh, let's go up to verse 6 so you, you can get it. All right? They can't fall and find the donkey, so they can't find him. They lost some wealth, they can't find it because donkey's a luxury car. They lost some money, couldn't find it. They lost, watch this, maybe it's not money for you, maybe it's not wealth for you. They lost identity, they lost joy, they lost peace, they lost a sense of purpose. They lost that and said, we can't find it and they said, let us go back. Verse six, and he said to him, look now, there is in this city of Denver a man of God. I'm not preaching me, I'm preaching Bible so that you get him. Okay, don't, don't, don't take anything I'm saying as self-aggrandizement because that's not my heart at all. Don't, don't take it that way. I just need you to understand the importance of the relationship between a king and a man of God. Now watch this. Watch this. We got to, come on, keep me, keep me going. Watch this now. Uh, verse 6. And he said to him, Look now, there is in this city a man of God. He's an honorable man, and all that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way we should go. Verse 7. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What, what do we have? And the servant answered Saul again saying, look, here I have one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Watch this. They said, we don't know what to do, so we need to go ask the man of God what to do so we don't keep wasting time looking for what we lost. See, when you come to church, you ain't coming to just hear some, uh, some sermons. You are coming to get some information so you can go get what you lost. Uh, you still here, church? All right. Verse 10. Uh, uh, Let's start nine. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus. Come, let us go to the seer. For uh, he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Verse 10. When Saul took to his servant, well, well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill into the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, is the seer here? And they answered and said, yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there's a sacrifice. Uh, of the people today on the high place as soon as you come into the city you will surely find him. before he goes up to the high place to eat for the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice afterward all those who are invited will eat you see how they honored men of god during this day Amen. now therefore go up for about this time you will find him so they went up to the city and as they were coming into the city there was samuel say the man of god Amen. come on talk to me when they say the man of god coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came saying tomorrow about this time I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Who is he talking about? Saul and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel that that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines Philistines in Hebrew means invaders for I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me so when Samuel saw Saul the Lord said to him there he is the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Throw your hands up. There they go. Ah? There they go. 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 Somebody holler, here I am. Yeah. Watch this? Watch this? I'm about to shout myself. Watch what, this? Watch this? Watch this? You still here, church?
1: Now,
0: uh, uh, so verse 17, so when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. What does that mean? He shall be what? King. Verse 18, then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall evil me today. And tomorrow I'm going to let you go and I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. He said, he says, now look at verse 20. Go to verse 20. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, leave the verse up. Saul didn't say nothing about that. That's why when you come to church, you like, does, does somebody tell? That? How is he preaching to exactly what? I just said that in the car. I, no, 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 no. The point point said, that's my man of God. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found, and on uh, whom is all the desire of Israel. Is it not on you and all your father's house? In other words, he said, listen, what you came to me for ain't important no more. You came to me for this, but we're getting ready to shift into that. You came to me to find the donkeys. I'm about to make you the king. You came just trying to get over the loss of somebody, but I'm about to make you a king. You came just getting through some pain, but I'm about to make you a king. You came just because somebody gave you an invite, but I'm about to make you a king. You came just because you... Ah. Now, here it is. Here it is. First Samuel 10 and 1. We got to move. I'm out of time. 1 Samuel 10 and 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Verse 2, when you have departed for me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelza. They will say to you, the donkeys for which you look have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Terebinth tree of Tabor. There are three young men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. Now, verse 5, after that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a string instrument. Play strings a tambourine a flute and a harp before them and they will be prophesying or declaring then the spirit of the lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be turned into another man look at me look, look at me look at me look at me he's about to be made king but to be made king he had to first meet his man of god he says he says and you shall be turned into another man tonight I'm getting ready to prophesy into you. And it's been some stuff you've been struggling with, some stuff you've been dealing with, some stuff you've been fighting through, that tonight you will be turned into another man. You will be turned into another woman. Tonight. Tonight is the end of a cycle for you. Tonight is the end of a struggle for you. Tonight is the end of uncertainty for you. Tonight is the end of wondering why you were born. Tonight is the end of that. Somebody holler, I'm getting ready to be turned into another man. Say that. Someone say it one more time. Watch this. He said you should be turned into another man. This is the reason why folk that knew you from back then keep saying that you, you're just so different now. You ought to tell them that's the whole point. That's the whole idea. I'm supposed to be different now. Well, I says, here it is, here it is, and you shall be turned to another man. Verse 7, let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion commands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me at Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Verse 9, I want to get to one place, then I got to quit. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him a what? Another heart. What's heart? Mine. What was the shortcut? Be a good church right here. What was the shortcut? Look at me. What was the shortcut to him getting another mind? What was the shortcut to him getting another mind? What was the shortcut to him thinking differently than he ever thought? The Bible says when he turned his back from him and started doing what he said to do, because he started working, what worked? It didn't take two years, it didn't take 15 days, it didn't take 15 years. Bible says that immediately he became a, another man and he got a, another heart. Does't and say, "Tonight, I'm getting another heart. Say, in 60 seconds, I'm getting another heart. My thought process will be corrected. My issues will be addressed in Jesus name verse 10 when they came there to the hill there was a group of prophets to meet him then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them something else is going to begin to happen for you tonight I got to move quick amount of time something else is going to begin to happen for you tonight when you begin to meet people out in places you're going to begin to not just invite them to church but when you shake their hands you're going to begin to say things you're going to be like where would that come from because watch this we're not just going to evangelize anymore we're going to prophesy and you're going to meet somebody at King Supers and shake their hand. And when you shake their hand, you're just going to start saying stuff like, you know what, who's Jimmy? Because I see that Jimmy has been giving you some trouble, but that's going to end tonight. And you're going to be like, what in the world did you just say? You're getting ready to become another? Yeah. Y'all don't know what I'm even saying. Verse, verse 11, here it is, I got to stop. And it happened that when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied amongst the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also amongst the prophets? Verse 12, then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? They said, we know Saul didn't do this. We know Kish didn't do this. Who he been listening to? Where he been on Wednesday nights. Where he been on Sunday mornings. What he been watching on digital campuses. What has he been downloading? What is this orange app on his phone? What is this? What is this? Because we don't recognize him anymore. Tonight. Somebody say tonight. I'm I'm fifteen minutes on time, so
1: you got get this. Experiences are what people love the most about travel.